This is Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston, your weekly dose of positivity with awesome stories and guests from all over the world. It's an opportunity to learn some great new things and expand your mind. We'll tackle topics from all areas of life, and as always with Sandy, the sky's the limit. Hello, hello, my let's keep it real people. Okay. I do get excited about all my guests, and I feel like I attract the best people, but Theo is in the house, and I've heard about him forever from Sissy Sue, but before I bring him on, hopefully I don't bastardize this too much, Dr. Theo Salcides is a neuropsychologist and a clinical assistant professor at the Icon School of Medicine in Mount Sinai in New York, so he's near me. His area of expertise is improving executive functioning. His book, which I have, if you can see it, it's all messed up now, Brain Blocks, Overcoming the Seven Hidden Barriers to Success, is an everyday guide for optimizing productivity and goal achievement. Theo, I'm so excited. Hi, I'm very excited as well. Thank you for that very warm intro. Well. Susan Sandler has been like, you got to meet Theo, you got to meet Theo. And then years, well, not years ago, it seems like years ago, in 220, I had gotten a nerve injury in my neck, but they didn't know what it was. So they did everything possible to my brain, like everything, whatever. And for, imagine me for six months, I couldn't get off my side. Like I couldn't move. I couldn't type Theo. I, uh, reading was difficult. I, I couldn't work out. I couldn't do anything. And my assistant just kind of ran the show and I had sold my gyms already. So everyone thought I was just traveling and speaking. And during that time, one of the things I went to is your book. Now I couldn't oh. read it long, but my assistant would read different passages to me and it was so helpful. So Okay, it wasn't that long ago. It was like three years ago. So I've been excited since then. And I love it. I love how you break it down. But before I get into that, what's your one word? I ask all my guests, one word to best describe your past 30 days, whatever pops into your head, it doesn't matter what the word is. And then why'd you pick that word? <clears throat> one word. You ask the, the person who is very loquacious to describe the past 30 days with one word. Pops, um, whatever pops in your head. Friends. Anything. Friends. Friends. Okay. And I can, I can why that explain why. Yeah. yeah. Um, I some you know, I go through periods where I don't see people. And I'm a people's person. Like I really like being with friends and and uh uh doing anything like from just a walk to a deep discussion to working on a project. And um, coming out of uh, winter, I guess, into spring, all of a sudden, all these invitations for uh, let's do this, let's do that. And this past 30 days has been really day after day of meeting friends that I haven't seen in a while, traveling to friends that I haven't seen, and having these amazing new experiences and hearing how they're doing and sharing what I'm doing. And it's been kind of like the dominant uh, experience in the last uh, 30 days. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because we just had this question about how do you energize? I was at a networking event and we were talking about introverts versus extroverts. And I'm not that black and white. I th- you can tell, I think it's a spectrum, you know, and A lot of the people that are extroverts and you would see them and you'd go, oh, my God, they're the life of the party. They were really getting down and dirty and talking about after two hours, they're out. They have to go home and be alone to regenerate because they're depleted. So they may only go out one or two nights a week, but you see them. Mm -hmm. And then there's me. And COVID, Theo, was not good for me because I'm an extreme extrovert. 
I get energy. Not that I don't need my downtime, but the more I'm around people, I get higher, I get higher, and I get higher. So I was the crazy person on my bike waving to people just to have human contact. <laughs> where my family, my husband's son, are introverts. And they're like, we've trained for this our entire life. So I told them, well, Theo's coming on. I want to know his take on that. It's a very new area of interest for me, the energy. And the more, the more I'm, you know, I work, I work a lot with people who have uh, some kind of cognitive issue. By cognitive issue, I mean um, they want to perform better mentally, right? So they want to, yeah. they are high performers. They want to remember more things, pay more attention, make better decisions, solve bigger problems. And that's all great. And it all starts in the same little, uh, you know, jelly substance uh, in our brain, in our skulls. Um, jelly substance. <laughs> so I've started looking a lot at emotion, right? What What is emotion? We have a lot of uh, different ways of expressing our emotion and yeah. reading emotion in other people. Um, and it turns out that what we think of as emotion is really a, a state, a mental state that we make it up. We make it up based on what's around us, what's on our mind, what are we thinking, what do we want in that moment, what do we think other people want of us. But the foundation of it is how much energy and how much pleasure we feel in that moment. So what does that mean? That means that our brain, like you said, has uh, fluctuates. The energy is not like this is a high energy person, this is a low energy person. Sometimes we have a lot of energy, and that's times like like today. We're both excited, we're, we're happy. We're gonna this is gonna show because we're not gonna stop talking. There's not gonna be a lot of uh, moments of silence. Uh, and then there are times when we have low energy, right? Yeah. When we're just we need to keep it. Keep it down, slow down, uh, relax. Uh, and I think that what my, my guess is what happens is that when you go in a situation like that where high energy is required because you're going to meet a lot of people, you're going to talk about a lot of things, you have to switch topics from, you, know, you have to memorize people's names and what they said and kind of like organize them mentally. Uh, think about what you want to share, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. How do you stay? How do you stay real? Uh, all that takes a lot of energy and, you know, energy is used. And then when it's used up, you just don't have any left. Yeah. And then you really need to go home and uh, take it easy and reduce the amount of output. And output by output, I mean action. What yeah. I do, yeah. what I say, how much I do, how much I say. Uh, and uh, with uh, the mental energy is not really the same as the physical energy. You may be completely depleted mentally. Like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I have nothing to say. I'm tapped yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But I can still go for a run or I can go for a bike ride because my body is going to take over and it's going to uh, help in some ways give the brain a rest and replenish that energy uh, over time. And different people have different ways of recuperating from that energy um, yeah. Uh, burst. Um, so that's why sometimes, you know, my approach when I go to these events is take it slow, uh, you know, like contain it, uh, and don't don't put too much energy out because you're gonna be you're gonna run out of it very very yeah. quickly. Yeah. You know what? That explains something. Now I know why I have so much energy when I'm around people, because I really do have a balance. I spend a lot of time in the woods and the garden mm. by myself. I don't, I mountain bike. I don't want to go with other people. I hike. I bring my dog. Sometimes my son, he doesn't really talk. I mean, he does, but you know, it's just parallel play. I garden a lot. So I'm re I'm not even thinking about that, but I'm actually re-energizing myself because I'm not talking. Mm. I'm just there with Mother Nature. And so when I go to see people, that's why I'm so pumped up. Because I yeah. just, you know, spoke to the trees. Yeah. And and you you probably are the kind of person that can pull on that energy when you need it and it just uh yeah. carries you through. 
uh, and you don't have to worry about it because you know that there will be a time later where you're going to get it back, right? Yeah. It's going to slow down. Yeah. Um, I want to stay with the emotions because mm-hmm. I have it underlined here and I want you to dive into this. Good emotion regulation skills lead to more confidence, better relationships, and higher productivity. I need to understand more about what you mean with good emotion regulation skills. I'm thinking that means we can control our emotions more, but I need, I really believe that, but I need your take. Yeah. Uh, We, we can, so, you know, the emotional system is kind of like, um, it, it runs by itself. We don't need to put too much input. And for most people, it runs pretty well. And, and you know, most of us have a, we have emotions all the time, right? We, we go through emotions every single moment, but they're not intense enough for us to notice or to um, interfere with whatever else we're doing. But sometimes they do. Uh, and when they do, emotion regulation allows us to notice them and say, okay, here's what something is going on. Something's different. There's a shift in how I am feeling physically, how I'm thinking mentally, uh, what I'm doing in this moment. Uh, what can I do about it? So emotion regulation really asks, answers two questions. What is going on and what can I do about it? Uh, it's the ability to choose how we feel, when to feel it, and how much of it to feel. Uh, and why is it important? It's important because emotions are critical. They're what supports and energizes the actions that we take. Uh, if uh, you know, my, the main theme in my book is the action is the main ingredient of success. Yes, I have it highlighted right? everywhere. You, you can be super smart. You can be very creative. You can do math in your head. Great. But unless you take action, you haven't really achieved. You haven't accomplished anything. Uh, from making the bed in the morning to running a successful business, it takes action. Um, and emotions are sort of like the prequel to action. They, in a nonverbal way, because emotions are not verbal, they say, okay, go for it or oops, hold Hold it. Don't don't take action or take this kind of action now. Don't take that kind of action. Uh, so the more we understand how we respond to things, what influences, what makes us feel good, what makes us feel not so good, uh, the more control we will have over our actions. Uh, th- okay. We don't let things like anxiety. Anxiety means too much energy, by the way. Like there's a lot of energy and that will translate into overthinking, overanalyzing, overworrying mentally, and uh, physically it may translate into just doing things without much uh, organization in in our actions. Like, I'm going to just do this, and then I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. Um, Depression is sort of like the opposite, where there isn't a lot of energy. So that's why we associate depression with uh, moping and... um, not being very active. And I'm I'm not talking about clinical depression at this moment. I'm talking about just the feeling of being, feeling down, feeling dejected, uh, that doesn't carry a lot of energy. So that's going to be, it's going to be more difficult for somebody who feels sadness, grief, um, uh, disappointment to energize and get to do things and, uh, you know, uh, go for a workout or uh, do the spring cleaning that they want to do. Yeah. Uh, and now what happens next is that uh, when you see that I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, it doesn't, sometimes it helps you snap out, but sometimes it just makes you feel even worse. And that uh, becomes a vicious cycle where you yeah. just yeah. drop the energy even more. So, you That's know, emotion regulation in a nutshell. Yeah. I'm sitting here and, you know, I said to my peeps, what area do they want to talk about from your seven brain blocks? And I don't know if this is typical, but here are the top three procrastination, self doubt, and multitasking. Now, 
I really can't wait. I can't wait for you to talk about multitasking. Now, I just want to tell everybody out there, me and Theo did not discuss the subject beforehand. So whatever he says, I did not prompt him. I cannot multitask. I feel like I'm really good at focusing when I my whole when I want something, I drill in. But my friends and family, well-meaning who love me, tease me. Because if I'm texting you, Theo, I can't talk to somebody. I can't do anything else. If I'm watching a TV show, I can barely remember. I have to focus in on everything. I can't have a conversation over there. I, When I'm doing the dishes, I feel like it's meditation. I'm really doing the dishes. I don't talk to people when I'm gardening. And so they always joke because I don't have my phone with me. Mm-hmm. Then I read your book. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to kiss this man because he's telling me that I'm actually training to focus by monotasking. And that's all I have to say. So now, Theo, you're up. But that was mm. like the greatest thing I ever read. So I... I uh, you see me grinning. I was so happy. I was valid. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. And just to go back a little bit to uh, the, the top three topics, procrastination, self-doubt, multitasking. Every time I do a survey about like, which of the brain blocks do you think you have? Uh, it's it's usually those three, especially procrastination, that just really? comes up first. Procrastination. Like, yes, we got it. It's a problem that we haven't solved and never will because we don't need to. And that's the, the whole spirit of the brain blocks is that, uh, hey, people, just pay attention to these things that we do that interrupt our flow, but they're not diseases. They're not bad qualities. They're not personality flaws that we need to change. Which they're is not diseases, okay. Right? Um, because we, we need to just accept it and know what is it. <clears throat> What is it that creates it? What is it that happens when they uh, when they interfere with uh, with our in our lives? Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would do if I were working with a client and they say I cannot multitask would be, what do you mean by multitasking? Because each person defines it differently. Oh, good point. Each person has a different set of demands, daily tasks, long term goals that they would like to achieve. And each person has a different understanding of what it means to multitask. <clears throat> and I love the people who say, oh, my God, I'm such a good multitasker because I'm, yeah, I feel like, okay, let's understand what that means because it sounds like the people who often say, I work 80 hours a week when you know that for them, that's not possible. They, they just feel like they work 80 hours a week. They don't actually work 80 hours a week. Um, so with multitasking, there is uh, th- there are different layers to it. The first one is the multitasking, which is I'm working on more than one tasks simultaneously. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. That is, uh, we know that that's not possible. There is some, uh, there is an ability to work on multiple tasks at the same time. But what happens is that there's one task that will get the spotlight, right? This is what I'm doing right now. And then there are other tasks that are in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, for example, the two of us very easily can have a conversation and take a sip of water just to uh, hydrate a little bit. Yeah. And that's multitasking. But what happens is that our focus is on the conversation and drinking water is something that we have done so many times in our lives that it's so automatic and it doesn't require much attention, much guidance. Um, having a conversation with somebody while we're walking doesn't require much. We can have a conversation. Okay, that's true. Driving a car while talking on the phone, uh, which, of course, we don't we don't recommend it, <laughs> uh, especially when you're holding the phone. But you know, you can have it on speakerphone. Yeah, uh, we can focus on the conversation and we can keep driving the car. What happens though if you ask somebody, okay, what just happened? in the last half a mile that you were driving, they won't remember. They won't remember how did I get from here to there? Yeah. Uh, Did I see anybody else on the street? What, how many cars were there? 
But imagine now that you're driving, you're talking on the phone, everything is good, and then you see stalled traffic in front of you. Now your attention shifts because now you have to do something different. It's not the typical, okay, I'm driving this car and I get to uh, uh, just step on the gas a little bit and respond. Now you need to focus your attention on what am I going to do about this? Um, how close am I to the, to the car in front of me? Do I need to press the brake harder or softer? Um, is this going to last long? Is this going to delay me? Should I find a shortcut? And you may actually now, the person on the phone may be still talking to you and you're no longer paying attention to them. So that's the, uh, <laughs> that's the, I, I know I, I do that too. Sometimes I take walks and I talk on the phone and then some beautiful bird will show up and I'm like, oh, the bird is so nice. And, and then your attention shifts away and you can't uh, focus on the conversation anymore. But the other person, there's a flow because the other person is not telling you, here are some names you need to memorize. They're just talking about their day and their life. And if you miss a few words, that's okay. You can come back to it. There are other times, of course, where you can't do that. Um, I love, you know, these uh, streaming TV app platforms now, uh, you know, Netflix and Hulu and all that, because if you're watching a show, you miss a couple of words, you can rewind and see what it's like on live TV. You can never do that. That's true. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, but there are times when multitasking in that level happens when you have a window open, let's say on your computer and you're working on something and then you hear the notification for the email and then you go to check who sent you an email. Like, is it is it important? Oh, yeah, is yeah, it yeah. nice? Is it uh, you close the deal? Um, in that case, your attention shifts. And when your attention shifts, it needs to go to how to operate the email and how that requires energy, the shift itself. And there's actually a term for it, which is called the shifting cost. And when you go to that other tab and then you go back to your original tab, you need to orient. Now you reorient. You need to say, okay, where did I leave off? What was the last thing I was working on here? Uh, and you do that. Now, imagine doing that constantly where you have phone, email on, doing working on something. You're going to feel exhausted at the end. Um, there's no way around it just because you shift your attention from one thing to another thing to another thing. And it just becomes very, very tiresome. Yeah. Now, that most people understand. There's another layer to multitasking that I also like to bring up, which is a higher level, like multi-projecting, multi-projects. Um, if you have a lot of projects that you're working on, mm -hmm. more than, uh, I don't want to say you should, but kind of like more <laughs> than you can handle, it just makes it more difficult to stay focused and organized and help each of those projects move forward. Uh, I, uh, for example, uh, some, I have a lot of different activities that I do. At some points, uh, some times in my life, I teach a course, I give presentations, I have clients that I work with, and I have uh, meetings with my research team at Mount Sinai. And all of those require extra work and besides the meetings themselves. So taking on too much, what that, that, that does, it just clogs my, my brain with all these different um, agendas, so to speak, because each of those is going to have a very different um, uh, requirement, like different kinds of work for the class. I need to study and I need to prepare and I need to do the slides and I need to do this and that. For the clients, that's going to be a different kind of demand. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that's why a lot of times, you know, people say, don't start too many businesses at once. <laughs> Just start one, start one project, yeah. get it to a place where you have a good flow and you don't need to be paying as much attention to that because you've streamlined it and then move to another one. Yeah. Um, I think I it's think something everyone faces because when you're describing what you're doing, there's a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs or people that, you know, work for themselves, it's the same subject matter, but, you know, like I'm thinking, you're describing it, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're right. And when I have too many of them, and and I guess it's an individual thing, 
like you said, you shouldn't, because maybe somebody else can have five different things they're doing, like teaching, podcast, writing a book. And for somebody else, I can only have one or two things. And you yeah. have to know yourself. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the other thing is what we don't realize is that what is it that drives this type of multitasking? Let's say you are working on something uh, and your your phone rings or you, you get a text message. Um, it's very hard to resist looking at that text message because there's some anxiety that that makes us want to see, is this important? Who is it? True. That creates a disruption in the flow. Now, having to go back to what you're doing and going back and forth creates even more anxiety because now you have to generate that energy to be able to uh, bring your attention to up to speed. We were talking about how, you know, remember yeah. anxiety has energy. So we end up feeling more anxious uh, waste more energy and feel more tired instead of setting some limits and saying, during this task, I'm not going to to check email. If it's something really urgent, people will find a way to get hold of me. Um, the verily is a text message that's coming from somebody urgent. It's usually, we're going to meet tonight. Are we on for tomorrow? Or yes, what do you this. want for lunch? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, because you're right, my definition of multitasking was different. I feel as if I'm very comfortable having a lot of different areas that I'm working on, and I do, but I don't do them at the same time. So when I'm working on my podcast or my guest, my phone is somewhere else turned off, and I go, I'm working on just this. Or if I'm working on my speech, I I literally block out the I actually block out, wash hair and shower because I know because it's going to take me more time to wash this, but I block it out. So to me, I didn't think I was multitasking because I'm not answering my phone and working. Like when I'm researching you coming on, my phone's over there. I put, I pulled the curtains closed in my office and I go, okay, I need an hour to work on this. So that's why I thought I didn't multitask. But what you're saying is, am I multitasking if I have a lot of projects going on, even though I'm not doing them all at the same time? You're, yes. We we, uh, we would call that multitasking at a higher level. It's multi-projecting. That's not what really what we most of us think about, but it also takes the same um amount of energy to shift from one project to the other. Now, what you're doing, and, and let's be clear, multitasking is not something we can avoid. We have to do it. Um, uh, but you have no you're... family or everything else. <laughs> I what can't you're... deal with the kids. I can't multitask. That, that's right. That's right. I can only deal with one kid at a time. <laughs> Don't talk to me together. You first, then you. Um, yeah. uh, we have to be able to do that. It's important just to remember the cost and when we can to avoid wasting energy when we don't need to. Um, I can tell you that what the, the long-term detriment to that could be that we are losing our ability to stay focused on one thing for a really long time, the ability to concentrate. Um, and often when I work with people and they're telling me either that they think they have ADHD it's that they, uh, or that they are terrible multitaskers. It's usually that they have so many things going on and they haven't found a way to organize them. Like you said, I block time out for this. And when I block time out for this, this is what I'm doing. Um, nothing else. Yeah. And that way we get through the many tasks that we have to accomplish. Uh, it. Some things can be done together. Some things like I can wash the dishes, which I find very meditative too, by the way. Yeah. Like the, the, the feeling of the water running on my hands. And then you see something that was so dirty and grimy and then you clean it out. Quickly, a result. Right? Yes, a result, an immediate result. <laughs> you can do dishes and run laundry at the same time. That means that you're going to have the laundry running while you do the dishes. That's efficiency. You know, kind of, and that requires planning ahead of time. How am I going to do this? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, 
I could talk to you forever about this topic and I got a lot more questions, but we got to get to the other ones because I'm like, oh my God, this could be like a five hour interview. All right. So we're going to go right to the next one, procrastination. That was the second biggest one they asked about. Now, I like when you say, do a little bit, take an action, a goal every day. I call it my BAM. And my BAM is my bare ass minimum. Ooh. And what's a nice, <laughs> what I, well, I met a living out of setting goals and what can you set and what can you do in your journal for one to three minutes? But in there, I have my BAM. And that means what's the minimum I want to do on reaching that goal, whether it's working out, business, or relationship. And no matter what, I have to do my BAM. Now, if I do more, that's great. So I, I don't know. I, so many people have talked to me about this and I really don't have good advice for helping them stop procrastinating. You know, just saying, just do it is, is not the answer. I know, I know. So I would love your help because so many people say, there's so many things that I want to do. Let me just get it straight. You know, a lot of these people are reinventing themselves. They're starting new careers. Their kids are grown. They're empty nesters. And they just keep putting it off and going for, let me quote, the lowest hanging fruit. And then they never reach the bigger goals. Mm-hmm. Help Theo, help. One, one guy <sighs> said, help Theo, help. So. Oof. Right. And we'll call him Billy Bob because we don't give real names. So Billy Bob. Um, and just so you know, his wife left him. Oh. Kids are off to school, so he's an empty nester, and he's wanting to start his own business. He's been in the corporate world forever. Everyone's like, "You should. You're so good at it." But then the next thing he knows, and I, I, I respect this. He's pulling weeds in his garden. He's a big gardener. So that's Billy Bob. Um, that's another great thing, pulling weeds, like creating, uh, creating order. I love that creating order. And, you know, our lives are chaotic and they today, like imagine, uh, we have some basic organization. This is this hour and this hour is morning, it's afternoon. But when you have all these things to do, just put them in some kind of water, then it just makes it easier to get through the day and feel like you're just, uh, sailing, uh, procrastination. The there are many reasons uh, that we procrastinate, and we always try to find one reason, the main reason, uh, or it's a personality flaw that we need to fix. And in many, many cases, procrastination just gives you more time to figure out what you need to do, and that may be the reason. The one I want to focus on a little bit more, and in the book, I give the seven reasons that have been. Uh, looked at in the literature, uh, and they make the acronym uh, sooner, how to get things done sooner, uh, is that E, which stands for emotions, the emotional temperature. Uh, it's important. There, there are two types of procrastination. One is, I know that I have to do this now, but I don't feel like it. And they, I don't feel like it may be, oh, this is uh, too much, or I don't have time for this, or I don't have enough energy. This this needs for me to be like this, or uh, I can't start this now. And then there is the other one, which is things slipping through the cracks, where you're not even aware of the task in con- like in your conscious mind. You know somewhere in the background that it needs to be done, like oh, I need to renew my registration, my car registration. And you know that you need to. Theoretically, you know that you need to renew your car registration, but you don't have a system to remind you that it needs to be done by this date or else you will be uh, at risk of getting a ticket for an expired registration. And that's a different type of procrastination, which is you haven't really pulled, uh, created, again, a system of reminders, of structure that will allow you to get these things done. Um, the Second type is more solvable because that means that you just find a system, calendar, to-do list, 
uh, reminders to get you through all the tasks that you have to complete. The first one, the I don't feel like it, that's a little riskier because that's when we believe and trust our emotion in the moment. Uh, and we don't believe that we are capable of delivering a BAM, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's when you, you know you what what you practice and, and teach it's that mindfulness that ability to be in the moment and to yeah. take the moment right it's that mindfulness that we need to turn on and say okay this is it what's preventing me from doing this is it that i don't have time that's the resources i don't have enough resources is it that i'm not sure what i want which is kind of have too many options and i can't choose is it that I don't know how to do it? Um, I have something that's, I have a towel hook that's just hanging off the wall now. And I've been looking at it every day. I'm like, I, I, I'm not a pro procrastinating fixing it because I don't know how to do it. But I, I don't want to call somebody. I want to do it myself. <laughs> you don't want to call a guy. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the, uh, I used to so live in a, in a building with a super and that would be my, yep. Text the super. The super will come and get it done. Yeah, I wanna when you're talking about procrastination, is there another category where the reason you procrastinate? Because I'm thinking about that tower, because I like fixing things with my house on the fixer. Is there if I procrastinate long enough, somebody else will do it? Absolutely. I'm just saying in my house, like mom do it. She'll like <laughs> we wait long enough, it'll drive her crazy, right? I don't know. Is that is that a method you think? Uh, I, I think that's just very strategic, and they've trained you to take care of things. <laughs> you know, uh, I think procrastination implies a an intention, a desire to do something. Um, wow, when there okay. is no intention or desire, then it's oh, yeah, not procrastination, right. right? It's irrelevant. Like. Um, I'm not going to learn how to cook well because I have no interest in it, right? I don't, I'm not procrastinating in that task. Like I, I, I have other options for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I can I, relate to that. I don't yeah. like cooking and I don't want to cook. I mean, basics. I'll chop. Yeah. I don't really want to cook. The, the other thing that's important is that uh, we operate. Time is really important. Time gives us structure. And when there are deadlines, uh, to what we need to do. Like I need to tidy up because I have guests coming or I need to finish this because my employer expects that I will be, I will get it done or yeah. I have a presentation to give. So I need to be prepared. Uh, but a lot of life goals don't have deadlines. When do I need to become a better version of myself? Where is, <laughs> when is the deadline? <laughs> when does my business need to become <laughs> successful? Uh, when am I going to start this new hobby? Right. Registration is closed. You can't make it by after this. So we we tend to leave things for this undefined future, thinking, oh, I have time to do this. Uh, and it doesn't become a priority. Um, and I'm going back to uh, that, the thing that I said earlier, which is that's not, I mean, procrastination is not a problem. Procrastination is a solution. Okay. It's the brain's way of saying to us that, hey, you got to pay a little more attention here. And figure out why you're not finishing this task, why you're not engaging in this project. I gotcha. I gotcha. I know for me, I'm thinking about when I procrastinate. And you're right, there's not just one thing, but I tend to find ways to help others because mm -hmm. others need my help a lot. And I can help you, Theo, solve all your stuff and your projects. And I usually do that when I can't figure out what the next step is. Like, I'm not sure where to go. I'm not sure how to reach out. Like, and, or I don't really enjoy doing that that much. Like for me, yeah. like asking someone for help, it could make my hair straight. You know what mm. I mean? Like I'd have to actually reach out and ask for help. So other people need me way more. And I realized that's my way of, I mean, I like helping people. Yeah. Ooh, so we can dive deep and figure out what the motives are there. Uh, 
before we we actually connected, I was thinking the other area of expertise besides emotion regulation is problem solving. Uh, and um, I, uh, at Mount Sinai, we've developed a problem solving intervention and we, we teach it to people. And that can be something that an individual can learn or a team can learn. And the... I consider myself a good problem solver. And, you know, my my job is to help other people solve their problems, right? But here's, the, here's the catch. When I say I'm a good problem solver, I really mean, ooh, I like to understand problems and generate solutions and then let the other people implement those solutions, right? I'm going to tell you what to do, but I don't have to do it. So I think there's this element of not... Uh, where people fail with problem solving is not that they, that's not true. Take it back. There are different stages of problem solving and, and some of us get stuck in not seeing the options that are there. We don't, we're not able to kind of like think creatively and out of the box and mm. go wild and, and kind of understand that everything is so relative. We can create the world we want if we think about it, uh, if we can visualize it, we can take steps toward it. But where we fail is taking the steps. So I have a great solution about how to fix the towel hook. I just haven't taken the steps yet. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, but I can tell somebody else how to do it. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> okay. And we just, we're going to have to move off on to self-doubt. We got to get it in because it's the third one. We're going to take this young lady. We're going to mm-hmm. call her Sally. Because a lot of people ask the same kind of question. Sally says. When she really starts having the confidence to do something and then she mentions it to her family or close friends or see what other people are doing on social media, she gets extremely deflated. (laughs) When she's by herself, she's okay. But as soon as she hears all the doubts about why it wouldn't work out or she thinks other people are doing way better than her it stops her in her tracks. Ask Dr. Theo for advice, besides just not going on the internet or talking to her family. What's your options? Uh, they are. They are options. Uh, Well-meaning options. people, I call them. Well-meaning. <clears throat> so, Sally, what you're experiencing is really super healthy uh, because, like... Uh, energy and like introversion extroversion confidence is a spectrum uh, when you build that confidence to get started on something and then you actualize it you take steps towards it or you share it with other people uh, you you get information that's going to make your confidence shift and sometimes it shifts a little bit too far to the extreme end of self-doubt and mm. you can Think of it as that's the balance we were talking about, right? The balance between acting with confidence and feeling self-doubt. We have to find the balance where we're not overconfident because overconfidence actually is a bigger problem than self-doubt is because it can uh, put us more at risk for for doing things or saying things or how do we connect to people Mm. than self-doubt is. But once we hit that self-doubt point of what... what is it? You know, I, I don't think I can do this because that's what self-doubt is. Like, I'm not, I'm not cut out for this. This is not good enough. Nobody would like it. It's, it's a time to step back and say, okay, so what would make it better? What could help me move forward? Um, maybe the feedback that you're getting from people is not delivered in a way that is palatable or helpful, and we have to move past. Mm-hmm. other people's evaluations or judgments or advice, unsolicited advice, and take from it what's helpful. Uh, unfortunately, we, you know, we can't teach everybody how to give feedback well, but we can take what they said and see if there's any merit to it. Uh, if I am, you know, if I'm launching a new class, a new online class, and I talk to people and they say, nah, that's not interesting. No, this will never work. No, this- I'm already getting some, doing some market research. I'm realizing that, okay, this is something that I have to either talk about differently or pivot somehow to make it more interesting. 
and it doesn't reflect anything about me. It's not about me, right? I am not flawed. There's nothing wrong with me that I didn't nail it the first time or the second time or the 15th time. It's work in progress. Um, so that's why I say it's healthy, that it kind of makes you pull back a little and do a, a recon, do a postmortem, do whatever other nice words we have to examine what's going on and how can I move forward. The second aspect, when you look at other people and what they've accomplished, it's it's normal when you do social comparisons that you're going to compare yourself upward. You're going to compare yourself with people who are a little further ahead or more, a lot further ahead than you are, because that's where you want to get. Uh, if you do compare yourself downward, uh, then you're not learning what to do. You're learning what not to do. And sometimes we end up not doing more because that's what we are focused on. Yeah. Uh, so I would say embrace the self-doubt and uh, something that's really important, be compassionate with yourself. Uh, all of us need to be compassionate with ourselves. So important. I know for me, when I have an idea, I wait until I'm really solid in it and feeling good about it. And then I bring it out to certain people that I trust to hear their feedback. And then I get that. And then I go to the next step. And I know I'm so strong in it that I'm not going to not do it, but I might tweak it because I learned the hard way years and years ago. I'm a big dreamer and I would, and so many people just go whatever and laugh at me. And I took the hits, but I realized you don't have to tell everyone. Like when someone would say, what do you got going on? You know, I would just share everything, but I can be very selective, mm. of, you know, what I'm working on until I'm ready to the next step. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we kind of learn in life to select our uh, advisory team or advisory board. Like who are the people who want, who we want to consult with on certain things. So for, for a you know, if I need uh, business advice, I'll go to one set of friends. If I need encouragement about something, I'll go to another set of friends. Um, family is usually the most intrusive and uh, uh, critical. <laughs> so yeah. we have to be careful what we say to them and, and also understand that they may not know better, right? Yeah. They may have good intentions, want to protect you. They're yes. not at the position where they can help you. You Absolutely. may be more ahead of them in terms of how your thinking is because you've thought about it more than they have. Yeah. So if you hear something, just decide if you want to put it down on your um, uh, journal as this is good advice or it's kind of yeah. like let it go. Yeah. Theo, I'm so sad. We're running out of time. I, I'm so happy we got together. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I feel blessed that I got to spend this time with you. And I'm so thrilled of the work that you're doing. And my entire life, I had these certain feelings of how people operate and how the brain works. Now, I didn't do any of the studying and schooling that you did about the brain. I just because of owning health clubs, I worked with a lot of people and I liked observing people. And things didn't make sense. No, that doesn't make sense. And, and I would always get results with my clients and I couldn't figure out why, which led me to do a lot of research by people like you and going, I don't know. I mean, I think there might be science. Now for me, I didn't need the science. I had my life and how I worked and what I did and the little things I did every day. And so my life was living proof. But what I realized a lot of people like the science behind it. And now a lot of the things that I was thinking, like, wow, it makes sense. So thank you so much for doing this work. And I'm honored that I get time to like spend with you and the how you break it down. I'm telling you, I've had, I've been doing this for 15 years. You've made it so user friendly and you take the most difficult subjects. And I never felt like I couldn't follow you. Thank you. Thank you. That that really means a lot. Uh, and my goal is always to, okay, take the science, but make it 
understandable, accessible, actionable for somebody who's not an academic, somebody who's not going to be reading the research papers, uh, but they can, we can all benefit from some science, some life experience, uh, and uh, good spirit. Yeah. And you, I mean, that's just a true gift of yours. And I think that is way more difficult because I've had amazing people and they don't mean to, but they just, they're not able to break it down. You know, they're like, Sandy, I'd love to be on your show, but I don't even know how, you know, so Mm -hmm. they know their lane. I think it's way more complicated to be able to take all that and go, okay, how am I going to present it that people can actually understand and apply it? So you got that down, baby. All right, Theo, before we go, yes. where can we find you? Where can they look you up? Can can people work with you still? Like, do you do individual? Do you do groups? What do you got going Absolutely. on right now? Yeah. Uh, I, so I, I have a website. Uh, the website is uh, easy, dr-theo.com, where it kind of like describes who I am, what I do, a little bit of my background. Uh, I have a website website. Uh, for the book, smashingthebrainblocks.com, where I I have to double check, but I believe there is a a free ebook that they can download regarding procrastination specifically. It's called Getting Things Done Sooner. Uh, And um, if it's not there, please apologies and just let everybody who's on the on the uh, <laughs> on the show now reach out to me uh, okay. and uh, let me know, and I'll send the I send the uh, ebook to you. Uh, and yeah, I work with people individually. Uh, I want to start doing some group work because I find it incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. A- and um, there's always uh, my Psychology Today blog post where I have random ideas and I write about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have to kind of like uh, get get over my procrastination and, and finish the second book that I'm working on, which is about emotion regulation itself. Ooh. So that's exciting. Yeah. Before we go, I want to read what was on your website because it was brilliant. And I think that if you're even slightly thinking about working with Theo, this will take you over the edge. Life is a balancing act. You have many goals to accomplish, many responsibilities, many problems to solve. At the end of the day, you may feel confused, overwhelmed, exhausted, discouraged. Theo helps you. How do you stay focused, motivated, strengthen your powers, and stop procrastinating? How do you prevent self-doubt and other challenging emotions from working against you? I love this. I love this. I mean, I mean, come on. I want to call you today. All right. My let's keep it real people. Theo kept it real. We both appreciate you sharing, liking, rating it and spreading the word. And you know what I'm going to say until next time. Thank you, Theo and toodles. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share and subscribe if you enjoyed the show. And remember, Keep spreading the positive.